Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Tech Central. Hi there, this is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, there are many ways of getting our show. You can download directly from our website at techcentral.ie. Use a smartphone podcast app. There's iTunes or you can turn us on every Friday on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Later, we're going to hear about one of Ireland's biggest tech conferences, which is happening this very weekend. And it's huge. But it's happening in one of Ireland's most remote locations, said he in Dublin, thinking about West Cork. But first, joining me as always is editor of Tech Central, Niall Kitson. Niall, aside from, you know, it being National uh, Digital Week and, uh, and that big conference happening this weekend, the other big, 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 big story of the week really is the election. We have to. I mean, did you watch it on, uh, on Tuesday night? Yeah, we, we kind of have to talk about it, even though, you know, at this stage, maybe the dust is settling a little mm. bit. People are starting to hit the is is it really this bad kind of mood? Um, how, how, did you, how did you watch it on Tuesday night? How did I watch it? It was a combination of different things, really. I, I think um, old media kind of won out in the end because uh, I, I had to, you know, sleep eventually caught up with me. And mm. Morning Ireland was my first port of call um, straight away. And. Uh, I switched it on and it was like, it was like scene missing, you know? <laughs> it's like, it, was like, it was the second time this year you woke up and you heard the news expecting one thing and you went, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you, you finish up the evening going, okay, it's going to be tight. But, yeah. you know, I believe in the inherent goodness of people. And then you wake up and something else completely different has happened and you're left with this sort of fog for the and, rest of the and, day you and know? There, there is your stumbling block I believe in the inherent goodness of people <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> that's, that's yes. trouble once I hear that I know it's trouble uh, I watched it kind of like yourself I was listening to uh, uh, to radio overnight uh, and then I was also watching it on because um, I don't have a television in my bedroom um, and it was the middle of the night and I wasn't going to stay up all night watching it uh, but then I kind of I went um, uh, I went onto Sky News to see if they would uh, be streaming it on their app and they were but it was a YouTube link and I went Oh, that's interesting. So then I went onto YouTube and Sky News was streaming live on YouTube. And I went, oh, that's cool. And then I went, I wonder if the American channels are. All of the American news channels were streaming live on YouTube. Uh, and it was interesting because uh, by far and away, the uh, the biggest one of them with over half a million people watching online uh, was uh, NBC News. And I thought that was interesting when you think about half a million people watching online for the biggest election results like of the entire year, this is America, all right? And everything is supposedly meant to be online and YouTube is the future and the internet is this, that and the other. And I was thinking, what, only half a million? It doesn't sound terribly impressive, No, it does doesn't. It? No, it doesn't. So I just kind of thought that was interesting because I think there's very much a place in, uh, sorry, when it gets to broadcasting new media and the internet and Netflix and da da and all that, da, da, my, my simple thing is you can't beat the simplicity of television. It's a box in the corner, you turn it on and there's your picture. You can't beat the simplicity of radio. It's a box in the corner, you turn it on and there's your thing. All right. Well, you- here, here's the thing though, as well. There are so many outlets out there right now that when it comes to the internet and social media and which sources you decide to get mm. your news from, you can build your own echo chamber. And this is mm. really bad for channels that set out to be, you know, a, a source of record. 
right? Which the likes of NBC and the BBC and RT set out to do, and they do it very well. However, this means that, you know, if you are convinced that you're only going to vote one way in an election, you can surround yourself with news that will only put a positive spin on your worldview. You can surround yourself with the pundits, with the news outlets. And this is really bad news for the media in general. And I think the media only cottoned onto this, I would say, maybe about halfway through the uh, the election cycle. Mm when one side was just spewing, spewing, spewing things that were patently false. Things are improvably untrue. And yet, you know, the media was still doing this well on one hand, well on the other hand, because that's what they've been trained to do. Because usually campaigns come out and they have their perspective, but they've, you know, they very rarely run on outright fabrications. But this is what's happened. And the old way of doing journalism, just it completely failed. It didn't work. So uh, whereas, you know, the partisan sources absolutely made hay from this because people were just going, yeah, mainstream media, load of rubbish. They just report lies because they actually reported the facts instead of what they wanted to hear from the campaigns. It, it was, it, do you know what, you're right when you talk about mass media and how information is getting across. And I mean, one of the stars of that entire uh, campaign was Donald Trump's Twitter account. Yeah, yeah which was stuff, taken away from him in the yeah, last few days. Well, do you blame them? <laughs> <laughs> but the things he was saying on that, and I also thought it was quite interesting as well, because it's not something that we would ever, I'd be very interested to have, if it happened in Ireland at election time. Uh, but I would watch clips of, uh, is it The Late Show with Stephen Colbert? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, Stephen Colbert was not sitting on the fence in any way. <laughs> no, he or, or Seth Meyers or Trevor Noah on the on the Daily Show. I mean, all of them lined up yeah. um, one after another. All this great content that went viral and everyone's like, yeah, you know, this is great written stuff. Or um, Bill Maher, he's another one. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Moore had a, a film. But, you know, it was incredible to see so many people line up just to, and uh, Keith Olbermann, actually, a very um, respected US journalist, did mm. a series called Closer on GQ, mm. um, which was um, uh, online only. And uh, I'm quite a fan of his delivery. I, I quite like how he how he puts together his arguments. Um, again, snappy. It just seemed that there were no positive voices for Trump on the media side. But on the social media side, where you're talking from the ground up, I mean, okay, when I when I say lining up to protect him, I mean you you had the likes of Alex um, Alex Jones on Infowars, mm. um, but not exactly a, a respected news source. Um, that you know, all the defense of Trump seemed to be at ground level, and all of the defense of Hillary seemed to be at media and. Uh, entertainment industry level. Yeah. You see where I'm coming o- from. O- old world kind of stuff. Now, I, I think that Trump would have had uh, mainstream media uh, uh, supporting him as well. We just may not have seen it over this side of the world for whatever reason. But I think it's very interesting because when Obama was elected first, um, the way he used the internet and Facebook and social media, that, that, that was a huge revelation and what got him elected. And now social media has been used in a completely different way eight years later now in this election to get a completely different result. Well, I wonder about that because it seems that every election lately that we've heard is always posted as this was the social media election. Mm. You know, this is the election where social media Mm. really came of age. Mm. We've been hearing this since 2008. And I think this is the election where social media failed because when you're dealing with social media, your target audience are what would be called millennials, which is people that were born from 1980 onwards, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, people who came of age during uh, 2000, 2001. 
And this is very much the the tuned in social media demographic. And the Democrats just did not hit that audience well at all this Mm. time around. You know, it just didn't engage that audience. And uh, I think they really suffered from it. Uh, If you looked at the voting patterns, they certainly broke down along racial lines. But when it came to... um, Age categories, I'm, I haven't seen anything on that yet, but I will be very interested to see what actually happens with that, because I think there will be a giant hole in the electorate when people come back to look at it. And I think it was a similar thing with Brexit. Um, another sort of big electoral shock result. Again, massive social media push, but uh, just didn't connect with those millennials, with those students. Um, they didn't come out and vote. And uh, I think that's, that was a big problem. I always find uh, when it comes to elections, anywhere where, where it's close I, 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 and you just never know. Anyway, I won't get into uh, that whole side of things. Uh, how is your social media on the night itself? Was your Facebook and your WhatsApp going like crazy? Mine was. Yeah, uh, I was following Twitter and um, I, I would follow the um, Trump hashtag or do a search for Trump because I just found it much more entertaining <laughs> over the last year and a half just for car crash value. Uh, now it looks like I'm going to have the same thing for an additional four years, which I'm really not looking forward to. Um, so I guess if you were to look at the um, stats, you would go, wow, Trump really nailed it on social media. But, you know, I'd say a lot of people were following just to go, what crazy nonsense is he going to come out with today? Yeah. Um, and are we going to see this for another few years or are his team going to continue their clamp down on them for, for better or worse. Listen, we will wait and see. It's a, it's a, it's a brave new world uh, this week, that's for, that's, that's for sure. Listen, let's leave the uh, American election uh, uh, there because I'm sure everybody's pretty much drained with it at this stage. Uh, let's move on to... Uh, oh, listen, so while we're speaking of social media, WhatsApp uh, making news today and tell me why. Yeah, well, similar story to what we found in Germany in September. Um, it looks like the UK uh, data protection officer uh, is coming down and saying, uh, WhatsApp, you are not allowed collect data in the way that Facebook wants you to. Uh, it's uh, the UK Information Commissioner Elizabeth Denham came out with a statement that said, um, and th- these are her own words, I don't think users have been given enough information about what Facebook plans to do with their information. And I don't think WhatsApp has got valid consent from users to share the information. Because you remember, people would sign up for WhatsApp on the assumption that it's a secure messaging system and you're not going to be sold advertising. Facebook bought WhatsApp for 22 million and are looking to bring Facebook's perspective to what the company does, which mm. means that you will be, you will have your information harvested. Guess what? You share, you put up this data online it is now ours. We're going to start targeting advertising at you. They might do it in a slightly different way, but I mean, it's Facebook and this is what they do. And they work with very much the American perspective on what data is. Uh, whereas, of course, the European view uh, differs uh, completely. And the German, the German data protection officer uh, already came down and said, um, WhatsApp, you're not allowed to do this. This isn't what people signed up to in the original terms of service. Now it looks like we're getting the same result uh, in England, in the UK as well, which is good news for users uh, over here, across Europe, across the world. Yes, I'm delighted with that. Now, uh, what I want, did want to ask you about and to see how you're getting on with, because, um, uh, yes, I'm gently going to uh, uh, rib you about this, all right? Uh, we are <laughs> celebrating a kind of a little bit of a birthday. It's not a huge birthday. It's only a ninth birthday at this stage, but it was the middle of November in 2007 that Amazon first gave the world the Kindle Reader and nine years later Niall Kitson has one yeah yeah (laughs) 
Yeah. Now you are you're one of these people. Now, to be fair, okay, because you you do have a journalistic background, and the the, the you know the thought of paper and newspapers and real magazines and books is absolutely vital to you and I get that kind of tactile kind of a thing why, why, why it's important so I understand why it's taken you so long to go into the digital world my wife would be exactly the same loves books will not touch a Kindle um, but you have one now tell me about, what Kindle did you get yeah, I, I actually found a, a, got a second-hand one and it cost me 28 euros. So oh. I figured it's a good price. What can possibly go wrong? Exactly. Um, so, you know, this, this, this was a good, good model. It's a 2013, I think. So it's, it's recent enough. It's nice and light. It does have a nice uh, screen on it. And uh, yeah, easy to set up. And I found, I went looking for books that I know aren't in my local bookshop, right? So uh, when I was using the Kindle store, I was like, OK, um, I checked around a few places uh, domestically and I'm like, OK, right. Um, I can't find this in Ireland. I'll go and uh, I'll use the Kindle store and uh, see how easy it is to use, etc. And yeah, it's pretty seamless. I, I really can't fault the the experience so far. Um, it doesn't have a touch screen, <laughs> which is which is interesting. Uh, I, I have this thing that when I see it, I want to thump it to get the, <laughs> the letters. Um, but I got I got over that. And, do you uh, thump your books? I, I don't. But well, I don't why do you thump your Kindle? <laughs> well, it's a habit I'll get out of. It's a, it's a screen I expect to be able to, uh, to get it to do something unless it's a, a laptop. Um, so yeah, yeah, okay. I'm I'm starting to see where it fits in. Uh, it's thinner than a paperback novel, and I have a lot of those, and my bookshelves are starting to groan. So uh, it will go down well domestically. I'll put it that way. How do you uh, find the actual Kindle to hold in your hand when you're used to holding an actual book? It, it, there is a. I don't even want to call it a learning curve. It, it just because I got a nice case for it as well, and mm. it feels like um, it feels like a nice moleskin notebook. Right. So, um, yeah, it's it's good and it's neat. Um, I think there will be an element of stubbornness uh, involved. And, uh, you know, it's it's filling up with stuff. I've got a, a couple of books that I downloaded from the Kindle store, a couple of things I got off Gutenberg. So I won't be stuck for material to read on it. But that's the thing. Um, I, I was checking my iPad to see um, if I had anything on an old e-reader app called Scribus, which was bought up by Amazon. Uh, no, not Scribus. Um, I forget the name of it now, but it was uh, it was a very nice free e-reader app that was bought up by Amazon and shut down. But I still have it. Um, and I went in and I was like, oh, I have all these books. And I completely forgot about them. So that's the danger, at least with um, when you buy paperback books they're sitting beside you in a stack of shame you know what you have to read if you download a bunch of stuff onto a kindle it's not shaming you it's just sitting in the corner yes but you can always pick up your kindle and you always know that there's something new to read there <laughs> yeah well okay yeah. if you want to look at it that way anyway we'll, it's we'll see it's nice to see that after after x amount of years and you being you know so stubborn and against it and so on and now that you finally have one you see a place in your life for, i don't say it's going to replace your books but you see a place for your life right and you quite like it ah uh, that's pretty accurate yeah yeah excellent excellent well listen welcome to the 20th century <laughs> the 21st century which, which are we in now I don't know no thanks for chatting to us and keeping us up to date as always 
This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's TechCentral.ie. One of the best things about the internet is that it allows you to do things from anywhere. So with a good internet connection, you can work as easily from, say, oh, Skibbereen as you can from Dublin. But to put that theory into practice, this week is National Digital Week, which focuses on opportunities for digital in rural areas. And the lineup of speakers and attendees is like the digital world's equivalent of electric picnic. It's amazing. One of the co-organisers joins me right now on Skype. It's Gronia Dwyer. Gronia, how are you? Hi, how are you doing? Very good. Listen, I have to say, Gronia, I find that you are quite an amazing woman. You, you have raised a huge amount of money to start one of the biggest and fastest working hubs in the country. It's 10,000 square feet. It cost a million quid. It's attracted startups from LA, Chicago, London, as well as Ireland. It's a hell of an achievement. And you're not even in Dublin. You're in Skibbereen. Yes. Uh, so we're down the sunny south of Ireland here, down in Skibbereen. And, um, we really started this project as this really ambitious vision and for it to come into reality only within 16 months was a fairly fantastic achievement for the full board here and our team in Skibbereen. But I think it was the the real drive and ambition, the determination to do something outside of Dublin that got this project off the ground. And do you have kind of a, a vision in your head just for Skibbereen? Is that what you're looking at or you kind of have that initially with Skibbereen and you want to bring it out to the rest of the world? Yeah, I think what happened in Skibbereen is it really suffered a lack of government investment there for about 30 years. Um, there's no enterprise parks here, really. You know, there's no drive or guardians to to drive on employment. So what happened here really was a, a number of local entrepreneurs came together, 11 really high profile people, and they said, what can we do to facilitate job creation? And the obvious answer was tech, digital connectivity. So by not just bringing ourselves on par with Dublin or urban cities, we decided to excel them and level the playing field, which would create bigger global opportunities for the people of Skibbereen. So by getting a gigabit connection inside here, it's really just created so many different avenues for people to create jobs, to start their business here, to scale and succeed from from the little town here of Skibbereen. Now, have you kind of based what what you're doing at the moment on experience that you've had abroad because you've worked abroad as well? Yes. So we did a good bit of research and feasibility in in terms of how this project would kick off. We did look um, internationally at the um, Google Kansas project where a gigabit connection was brought into rural Kansas. And just over the two year mark, 121 new companies had formed. It had regenerated kind of disadvantaged areas in the U.S. So we looked at that model and we looked at Europe in terms of what had been done. But as far as we could see, there was no plight or kind of attempt to try a rural digital hub or a rural accelerator with a seed fund or anything like that. So we said, look, this is a bit of a risk. But with the board behind the project and the team we had and the community that pushed this, um, we knew it would be a success. But we're really trying to create a new blueprint for other rural areas now. So um, since we launched last year, we've had 20 towns and villages come to us from all over Ireland and we're willing to help them saying, look, we have an empty post office, we have an empty school, we have an empty guard station, what can we do with them? And the the piece of advice I give them is you need to look at your local community, look at your local strengths and your niches and develop on that. What is the attraction for, you know, I can kind of see the, the attraction of setting up a hub for ourselves and people from, you know, kind of a catchment area of maybe 50 miles having a hub that they can go to with great internet connection, but you've attracted 
of people from uh, from the states and uh, other countries. Why is it that they want to come to the sunny south of Ireland? I think uh, it, it surprises us actually at the start. We thought we'd get a lot of kind of um, bedroom and kitchen workers coming from the local area in first and then, fingers crossed, we'd attract some international interest. I think what happened at the start is we sold the story and the vision so well that it is this unusual project. Um, it's not hard to sell West Cork when you have the imagery that we have down here. And I think people are looking for an alternative. Our cities are getting more and more congested. Um, house prices are relatively affordable down here in West Cork. We don't have waiting lists in our schools. We have world-class food, entertainment. Um, the commute to work is six minutes and you can be at the beach in 10 minutes after you leave your workplace. And I think that's a really an attractive um, uh, thing for, for people that are, are living in cities and paying ridiculously high rents. And it's also more attractive for startups who are looking to concentrate in their business and not focus on what they're paying for their office space and more so how do they get funding into their company to, to scale and succeed. So I think it's it's selling the vision. Um, there was always four components of how we sold Outgate. Number one, it was this world-class um, digital hub with the connectivity. Number two was this one gigabit society that we have in Skibreen. So everybody's engaged with this one gigabit connection. Number three, we have world-class talent, believe it or not, down here. We have senior developers, project managers, um, people involved in, in development and web design as well, all living in West Cork. And the fourth was, as you mentioned, lifestyle and selling the four um, inter independently and also a, as, as, as a collective, I think, sold people to, to West Cork. So to help other people in, in other towns around Ireland to engage with this and to take the idea and to run with it, uh, last year you ran the first National Digital Week. Uh, is, yes. Was that the thinking behind it? Yeah, um, so we decided we need to kick off the, the rebrand, we called it, of Rural Ireland. And we found ourselves doing the hard slog, selling this vision of, you know, you can get companies to Skibbereen. And some people weren't getting it. So we said we needed a bit of a statement event. So we kicked off last year with National Digital Week in November. We had over 1,600 attendees, over 80 national and international speakers from the US, from Belgium, France, um, the UK. And it really kind of started to get people thinking, going, God, this this gang down here in, in rural Ireland has gotten the head of Google, the head of EBW um, from, from Kansas, uh, from Texas over to Skibreen and all these high profile speakers. So it, it showed other rural areas that it can be done and it can be achieved. So it was a real... Um, it was a real change of minds event and it rebranded Skibbereen and, and rural areas as places that things can happen and innovation can happen here. So that's why we decided to launch it again this year. Well, it, it looks like it's going to be even bigger and better this year. I was just looking through the uh, uh, the list of speakers and uh, the first thing that popped into my mind because I've got music in my background is this is this is like electric picnic, <laughs> except with <laughs> digital heads. But no, seriously, I mean, you've got people from you, Uber, Dundeal, Google, Airbnb, Just Eat, Vodafone, uh, David Putnam, this, the, the filmmaker is going to be there. People are worried about Brexit. You've got the British ambassador down to talk about that. Uh, there's yeah. bankers, there's investors. I mean, it's like, you know, if you want to do anything digitally this is the place to be mm -hmm. uh, do yeah you, sorry go on 
So, yeah, I, I think that's what we wanted to give the vibe. This isn't a convention center. This isn't a, a kind of an industrial hotel with a, a, a polished conference suite. This is something really unusual for people to attend. And usually our attendees come down for the Friday, Saturday and, and Thursday. They get um, a few days of a ticket. But what we wanted to do was bring people down and it provides fantastic networking opportunities as well. So as well as these high profile speakers, we have the Google Digital Garage happening. So you can get a one-to-one clinic about your own business down here in Skirreen as part of your ticket price. Um, we've incorporated all the entertainment with our ticket price as well. So Booker Brass is our special guest on Saturday night. Um, so it's like the electric picnic of tech events. <laughs> there is, uh, I'm going to use that term from now on, there is something for everyone here. And it's really attractive for people that are interested in tech, marketing, Mm. social media, um, how to get their business online, how to appear um, online in a more professional way. Um, There's an IoT session. There's a sharing economy session. There's a gigabit society session. There's a, a day dedicated to female leadership and female founders and funding. We also have a €450,000 seed fund that we're meeting companies down here with. So it was a really fantastic event um, for people just to come down. Everybody got something out of it. Excellent. Now, the other thing that has amazed me, I mean, because the whole thing sounds brilliant. You you paint Skibbereen very well. It's a very cool place to be and a beautiful place to be. Uh, what you're doing in the facilities you have uh, there at the uh, Lugate Art Initiative are just amazing. Having this, everything that's happening at this weekend and the quality of people that you have at it. The other thing that blows me out of the water is that, well, actually, do you know, when I get back to Electric t- Picnic, all right, mm. the tickets for this event, I go to many, many conferences, all right, and generally, for some reason, the price for these big conferences is a thousand euros a ticket for a weekend all right yeah uh your tickets are less than what you would pay for electric picnic it's a tenth of that price yes it's it's incredibly good value uh, and of course because airbnb are uh, uh, involved you're recommending people come on down to skibbereen and stay in airbnbs yes. as well. so, yeah 100 <laughs> we have some really quirky um accommodation for people we have tower houses we have waterfront um, patios that people can can rent out and everything tree houses so yeah there's some quirky uh, places for staying <laughs> whole thing sounds absolutely amazing listen it is on this weekend it's happening in Skibbereen between the uh, the 10th and the 12th of uh, November and if you want full details and you want to book those tickets when you see the price you'll go oh here I'm going uh, it's www.digitalweek.ie Gronje Dwyer thanks for telling us all thanks very much for taking my call cheers Okay, just before we go this week, uh, Niall is still with us. What is our one more thing for this week, Niall? Yeah, well, go on to techcentral.ie and you will read all about a drone that is as happy underwater as it is in the air. A drone as happy underwater. Well, is it the James Bond drone? There you go. <laughs> you can get more of that and all of the Irish tech news with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more from techcentral.ie as always. Along with our weekly tech radio show here online and every Friday broadcast at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson at Tech Central Towers. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.